Welcome back to our Triune Pod. Sorry for no music at the beginning. Nick Kamiski has one job on this pod, and he is away. I think he's in Vermont, maybe Maine. I probably should have the answer for that. But while he's away, I've got none other than Scott Kent Jones with me. So glad to have you back, Scott. What's going on? Well, Nick is away that the heart will play. With you, uh, of course. I mean, exactly. no, no, that's uh, nothing's going on. So it's hot. You know, it's a little warm, um, although it's not as bad as it is in England. I have several friends uh, in England and I have a friend who's in London right now. He's never bought an air conditioner in his life. And he was air conditioning shopping yesterday. Yeah, so um, 40 degrees it's like Celsius over 100. Plus. Yeah, it's, it's like over 100 degrees. So if you're in England right now and listening to this, uh, we are praying for you. Yeah, you I mean, have Freon in your life. I saw some people on social media in hot areas making fun of them for this. It's weird, right? If you're in Arizona, you don't even think about it, right? Yeah, like you're just like yeah, yeah. it's normal. But like, yeah, if you're in England, 100, it's not. Most houses don't have air conditioning. Uh, it's just not a thing because it's never that hot. Yeah, and like the crazy thing is, this happened like a decade ago. I think it was. It was in France, and all of these elderly people died. Because they were not used to this and they weren't really being taken care of, though. This could be potentially very serious. So sad. I'm in Birmingham, Alabama, and it has been like 75 to 85 degrees, which is great for here. And actually, I guess in New York, it would have been great over the summer. But yeah, I am not suffering like they are. What's the temperature where you're at? You're in Maryland, right? 88. Yeah, it's like 88. You got got me beat. I love it. Yeah, man. Well, what else are you thinking about? I mean, you're up on global weather. What else are you? (laughs) I think about weather. I think about the country. I think it's a very weird time. I think, no, I think, uh, you know, it's weird. Like when you've got like a president that's aging, right? I think that's, you know, I I think a lot about mortality. Like, because you got here, there's a president that is clear as sort of, you know, he's in decline. Right. Um, and that's not a job. People age differently, you know, um, but, but it's just an interesting thing to think of, like watching a world leader in decline. And, and what is that? You know, and then how do you do it? This the, you know, we had this with Pope John Paul. You know, he he was a guy that, that was a public figure and he was very conscious of this. Like he would p- do public appearances shaking because he wanted to people to know that just because I have Parkinson's doesn't mean my life doesn't doesn't have value. You know, I'm not ashamed that I'm drooling and I can't, you know, so it's just an interesting thing that, you know, I, I, I'm i thinking like, what's it like for the president of the United States to be the most powerful person in the world, but to really be in decline, you know, mortality, like yeah, it, I forgot it about the John Paul, the second stuff. Yeah. It's, he uh, was very yeah. intentional about that. And it's just, it's interesting to me, like, you know, we're all mortal. We're all clinically, uh, we're all uh, terminally ill. Right. And I, I think it's a very interesting thing, you know, since I've re- read some articles about, you know, how, how people in the White House are making sense of it. Should, should Joe Biden step down? Should also, and I don't know, you know, whether people can have their opinions. I don't, I don't know what I think, but, but it's just a really interesting thing. I, I think what's that like if you're the most powerful person in the world and people can see your mortality is really showing, you know, and that, that to me is a really interesting reminder to all of us that we're all um, terminally ill. That, you know, we, our days are all numbered and we don't know how many we have and we don't know how we'll age. Some people age very well. You know, it's very interesting. You look at a guy like Bernie Sanders, who's not that much younger than Biden. Seems like he's got as much energy as he's ever had. And then yeah. some people just go into decline. And what's it like? You know, so I think about that. I it's think so about fascinating, a- though, because, yeah, I mean, it's on one level, you almost kind of expect it of the Roman Catholic Church because you know, a lot of clergy are older. They've had popes be pope until they die in the past. 
the moral, ethical, social teaching of humans matter even till their grave. But it's it yeah, it feels like another thing when it's America and our values and how we're like, well, he's in charge of the nukes. Like we can't have a guy right, who's right. falling apart or yeah. So I don't really mean that as a judgment either. It's on the one hand, I'd love for us to be able to see someone who lives an ordinary life and goes into old age and we Stop being in denial about how we're just going to be forever young. But on the other hand, I could see why people would be afraid. Like, is China going to get a leg up because because Uncle Joe's not doing so hot? Right, right. It's a it's a thing. It's a, it's a little uh, yeah. It's it's a, it can be an anxiety producing thing. You know, like what do you do? What is you know because we don't really have a tradition of presidents resigning uh, other than uh like nixon i think i'm I'm thinking nixon but is it but it's rare you know it's not a normal thing and so it's just like what do you do you know i think it's strange yeah especially when you remember the democratic party and there just isn't a star there's not a natural successor right kamala harris isn't really a star there's no one waiting in the wings kind of thing like it's not it's yeah yeah no it's a weird i mean we probably were saying the same thing when obama was coming up we didn't know it yet maybe or we all said oh he's he's not ready yet it's hillary's turn kind of thing right right so maybe maybe there is somebody out there that will just materialize who would who would you go for if they ran are you an aoc fan scotty i'm not a huge aoc fan i liked uh klobuchar i thought she was very pragmatic uh i liked her i don't know I, i i don't know i mean i um who could win and i'm not even I, saying against a republican who could win the democratic primary yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing. You know, I it's interesting because I look at a guy like Pete Buttigieg, right? And I mean, he's an interesting guy, but is somebody that's openly gay? Are we at that point in American history, you know, where, you know, I don't know. I mean, maybe we are. Like, I mean, there's always a first for somebody, right? For, you know, there's somebody's always a first, but it's yeah, I think he could. I mean, I don't I don't know if he is the guy to win, but I mean, we were saying the same thing with Obama back in 2000. I like I mean, maybe that's judge, though. But. I liked him in those debates. I always thought he was really smart. You know, I thought he was really well spoke. You know, like I like that. I like, but see, I think I'm not your typical American because I think Americans, Americans generally don't like smart. You know, like I think like George Bush Jr., for instance, I think a lot of the folks he's sort of, hey, I'm a simple text guy. I think a lot of that was a put on. Guy Mm -hmm. went to Harvard and Yale. You know, this guy, you know, so I think like Americans that were populists, right? Yeah, Both yeah. parties. We like, you know, I mean, Clinton was good at this, right? He was good at not seeming like he was that he was this educated Oxford guy. You know, like that's the thing in America. You don't want to. And don't, the funny that- thing is there are so many of these podcasts, including ours and you and me and probably everyone listening to this pod who is just really not in touch with the average voter. We have such firm opinions or or we are firm in the fact that we don't have opinions or don't know. I mean, but the average person who might be a Democrat, might be a Republican is pretty moderate. And the whims of how they're going to vote are just so unpredictable. Yeah, people are emotional, right? People vote on emotion, image. You know, I was talking with some friends the other day because, you know, they have every PBS debate. At PBS has rather every presidential debate online. So you can go watch every televised president. And so I rewatched the Nixon Kennedy debate, which I think was the first televised debate. Nixon looks like a ghoul. <laughs> I mean, he looks like a ghoul. Like he looks like a vampire. And, you know, somebody on this social media uh, clubhouse app was talking about it. It was saying, you know, if you look at the actual debate, Nixon like ran circles around Kennedy 
substantively. Like, you know, like he was Nixon was a really smart guy, but he just looked like a vampire. And Kennedy yeah. looked young and to Camelot, you know, like so I forget I just, where I read this, but people who listened to that debate on the radio overwhelmingly thought Nixon. Oh, won. that's but people oh, who yeah, that, watched. Yeah thought jfk one which is very very funny very yeah no it's very interesting so what do we got here we got some right, let's get to the to the psalm if i was with nick he would have shut this down five minutes ago but here we go i thought that was fun no it's very interesting psalm 85 you have been gracious to your land O lord you have restored the good fortune of jacob you have forgiven the iniquity of your people and blotted out their sins you have withdrawn all your fury and turned yourself from your wrathful indignation Restore us then, O God, our Savior. Let your anger depart from us. Will you be displeased with us forever? Will you prolong your anger from age to age? Will you not give us life again, that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. I will listen to what the Lord God is saying, for he is speaking peace to his faithful people and to those who turn their hearts to him. Truly, his salvation is very near to those who fear him that his glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth have met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Truth shall spring up from the earth, and righteousness shall look down from heaven. The Lord will indeed grant prosperity, and our land will yield its increase. Righteousness shall go before him, and peace shall be a pathway for his feet. Scott, that was one of the longer ones we've done in a little while. Where do you want to begin with this guy? Uh, well, it's it's an interesting text, right? Uh, you know, because you have this sort Actually, of it really is. Yeah. So you have this like repetition of what God's done. And then the idea is sort of God do it again. Right. You know, like you have done this and we need you to show up again. And I think it's very interesting because it's sort of, you know, I, it, as I re- read the psalm a couple of times, I was thinking of this sort of thing that, you know, you've heard, you probably hear a lot of preachers talk about, like, it's sort of a trope that a lot of Christian preachers use to like, you know, the the three tenses of salvation kind of thing, right? We have been saved. You know, there's there's this, uh, you know, this great story of this guy. He's kind of working the airport, you know, this evangelist. And this old African-American gentleman, he wakes up. He says, sir, have you been saved? The guy says, what, you mean Jesus and all that? He says, yes, sir. He says, well, yeah, I'm saved. He's like, do you know exactly when you were saved? He says, well, I think it was about 2,000 years ago. Yeah, so there's that. Right, there's that sense, right? I we have been saved at Golgotha, you know, and, and, and you know, two thousand years ago in Jerusalem, something happened. Then there's this like sense that we're being saved, right? That 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 past reality is something that's happening in us every day, right? And then there's this hope that we will be saved, right? That in the future, you know, especially you know, we think of our mortality and you know, think about death, you know, like and and finitude. And so I think there's some of that in the psalm, right? That there's this, and I think it's sort of like, it's a really good exercise, I think, spiritually to think about like, all right, you know, when we're struggling, we all struggle, right? We all have times when we're, where our faith is sort of on the rocks or on the rope. And I think it's a great exercise to just go through the tense. Man, I have been saved. I'm being saved. The process is still going and I will be saved. Like my hope is in God. In God alone. So I think uh, oftentimes those tenses are great things. And sometimes you need one tense more than the other, right? Sometimes you really need the past. You need to know, like, you need to look back and just say it's objective, right? Like it's, I don't, I'm not feeling it, but it's no less true. Other times you need to feel it. You know, you need to actually put it on, you know, put your salvation on. And other times it's the future. You need to kind of know I'm going somewhere, you know? So that's what, those are my initial thoughts. Scott, where, where are you, where are you at right now? Do you, are you looking at, salvation as this objective past event are you are you reveling in the lord will save me where are you at right now no that's interesting i mean i think 
for me personally, when I am struggling, what helps me is theology. There's sort of like, I think for me, oftentimes the way to my heart is my head. Even though my faith is much more heart probably than head, ultimately, it's per- I'm a pretty emotional person spiritually. But I often find what warms my heart is thinking about, you know, Merton used to talk about, Merton talks about, I think it's in the Seven Story Man, when he just threw himself into the joy of the scholastic arguments and that that really drew him closer to God. And so for me, oftentimes, when I think about the beauty of the Christian story, when I think about, you know, I've talked with some friends lately. Um, I have a friend who's a, a relatively new friend who's was is a missionary, a kind of conservative evangelical reform guy. Has been was a missionary in Japan, still there as a company teaching English now. And we've had some great conversations just about the Bible and Protestant theology and stuff. And that's been very encouraging to me, you know, to sort of see how um, the beauty of the Christian story fits together. Uh, and so I think that for me is is often very um, therapeutic. You know, it, it seeing how things kind of work together and again, how the, the storylines are cohesive and coherent and, and pull together into this flourishing sort of finish. So I think that to me is, is very therapeutic. It's not the thing that's therapeutic for everybody. I mean, I think for some yeah. people it's hymnody, right? For some people, it's just simple Bible study. You know, for some people it's fellowship, you know, um, it's, it's really just other people and their, their capacity to remind each other that they belong to God. But for me, again, it's often being reminded of just how beautiful the Christian story is and how satisfying it is and how I think it, it fills the longing of, uh, of the human heart, not just spiritually, but intellectually. I mean, I think it's the story that ties together and makes existential reality meaningful. And that, that to me is, is, is something I enjoy. Yeah. No, sometimes I have to remind myself over and over and over that the truth of the Enneagram, what people are into, that not everybody gets edified the way that I do. Right. And that my job as a pastor, as a preacher, is not just to speak to people like me, which is so what I want to do. It's the easy way to do it. But yeah, I mean, people connect with God and what I perceive as the weirdest ways and, and not just a God amorphous, but the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, which is, I guess I should be grateful for, right? Cause that makes life infinitely more interesting that not everyone is like me, but at times it, it makes my work a lot harder. <laughs> you know, I think about, I, I was talking with somebody recently about the crown and I love that show. I think it's so well done. And you know, this, this absolutely <laughs> love it. This picture of Prince Philip who. It's just uh, not really, he's very, he's not a pious guy, right? But then his sort of adult kind of awakening to faith and this beautiful scene where Elizabeth is looking out the window and she sees this guy who's kind of mocked her faith, walking very graciously with this priest who's kind of discipling him, you know, and that led to a lifelong awakening of to faith. It's so funny because um, I had Rowan Williams on my interview podcast. I asked him about Prince Philip. Um, I said, you know, I, I don't want you to tell me too much, but I'm just curious. He said, Philip used to love it. Whenever I visited the royal family, he he had his Greek New Testament. Out, and he wanted to argue about Greek words. with me. That's so wild. <laughs> so, so you just think about this guy, right, who is mocking his wife's faith and becomes the guy that wants to argue about New Testament passages in the Greek with the Archbishop of Canterbury, you know. And they, so not, no one's story is ever, is ever written. You know, there's I, I think about also like one of my favorite scenes in film is in Lawrence of Arabia when they're riding across the desert. I think they're, they're going to do this assault on Turkey or whatever. And this guy falls behind and they say to Lawrence, his destiny is written. I mean, his story is written. 
Lawrence takes a day, goes back, finds the guy, brings him back to the party. And Lawrence is almost, you know, he's dry, he's dehydrated and just says, looks, it says no one's story is written. And so there's the beauty of that, that, that like God, um, the beauty of God and knowing the living God is that everyone's story is unfinished in an unwritten kind of book. Right. And I think that that's and, and so part of that is looking back, realizing, look, man, there's the here's the foundation. You know, God, you've done this. You've you've forgiven us before. You've brought us back from captivity. You've done these things. Man, I trust that you're going to bring me to some kind of flourishing finish as I look forward. And then now I'm going to trust that. I'm going to look back, look forward, and then I'm going to look where I'm at now and try to see where God is present. So there you go. Those are good words. And I've got to add, man, that season three of The Crown is one of the most Christian shows I've ever seen. Uh, Could not be done on American television. It's beautiful. I I was like, wow, this feels like an altar call. That one episode. That's where she meets Billy Graham, right? No, no. I I mean, I'm talking about the episode where her her husband and the priest and then this episode two. I'm just like, oh, Oh, the space episode. Yes, it's amazing. But I think I thought that what season I remember when Billy Graham preaches to her. Yeah, I don't remember. And she's just she's just enamored with Billy Graham, like in his personal faith. Like it's it's very moving the way she looks at Graham's a young Graham. You know, um, and her husband is kind of like looking at Billy Graham, like this guy looks like a huckster to me, man. You know, like, <laughs> but, yeah. but she just lo- she the, and their 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 interactions about faith. Uh, yeah, I mean, and it, it, that's again, this is everything I've read, and you know, talking to Ron Williams and stuff, that this is really genuine. That the Queen and Philip are both people of deep uh, faith. You know, yeah. and uh, and that's um that's encouraging. Totally. I used to every Christmas. I used to one of the first things I did is I would watch the Queen's Christmas address. Because I love that. I mean, it's just wonderful. I, I wish I would remember to do that every year. I hear about they're them wonder- after the fact. They're that, wonderful. Yeah. They're wonderful. I mean, they're just, it's like, it's so powerful to have the head of state give this powerful reflection on, on Christmas morning. It's, it's amazing. Well, Scotty, I could talk to you forever. We should probably hey, wrap man. up. All right. This has been great. Time. But hey, man, our prayer is show us your mercy, O Lord, and grant us your salvation. And the final, the promise is the Lord will indeed grant us prosperity and our land will yield its increase. 